Hello, 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 and welcome to A Conversation with Tanya. I am your host, Tanya Stokes. I'm a hairstylist and makeup artist uh, in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. But my podcast is more than just hair and makeup because I'm more than just that. So let's discuss health and wellness and relationships, politics, finances, grief, 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 or just whatever's on your brain. Feel free to email me at a conversation with Tanya at gmail.com. Again, it's a conversation. My email address is a conversation with Tanya at gmail.com. And in the subject box, um, hey, why don't you add that you would like to be on my show and I can make that happen. Okay. So I hope uh, you are enjoying this beautiful day. It is such a beautiful day. And, um, I decided to come on today really because somebody pissed me off, but, uh, uh, I try not to let people piss me off, but they pissed me off. So today we're going to come from a place of grief, 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 grief. And, um, I'm gonna pull something from my blog, which is, uh, you didn't mean to say that to me, did you? No way. So here's the thing. I think a lot of times when people try to comfort you, when they know that you are grieving, they tend to say things that just does not make any sense. And they're coming from a good place. And uh, the griever, (laughs) you know, you've just got to maybe take a step back and Think twice before you respond, you know? So, um, I've been doing a lot of that lately, just a lot of it with friends and family and strangers, you know? Um, you know, I think a lot of times when we meet people, we have a checklist of questions that we ask and I'm guilty of all these things, all these things, especially being a hairstylist. I tend to ask, so are you married? Or, you know, ask questions about their job or do you have any children? And um, if the person is divorced, they may feel some kind of way about that question. Um, or if, if the person can't conceive a child, they may feel some kind of way about that question or worse, if their loved one has passed away and you ask that question, um, it kind of puts that extra pressure on the griever to respond in a manner, one, that um, doesn't get them so emotional and two, that doesn't make the person, the person asking the questions feel uncomfortable. Um, most of the times it's hard to avoid either one, you know, um, most of you, you know, uh, my son passed away, uh, last year, uh, March 21st. And a lot of times when people ask me, do you have any kids? You know, like at one point I just didn't know what to say. And then now I just kind of brace myself for the question because I know it's coming. But I think if I keep talking, um, 
maybe that question will never come up. You know what I mean? So whether it's a new client or just, I don't know, somebody from church or just, just a new guy that you met, you know, you just kind of brace yourself for that question. So what I've started doing is I will answer the question like really fast and then I'll move on to something else. Right. And, um, I remember being in, uh, Miami for a conference and went to the bar and started chatting with this young man. And, uh, we talked about the conference and how great it was and how excited we were to get back home and implement some of the strategies that we learned. And, uh, so, you know, he was, checking the box, you know, this is Super Bowl weekend. We were, he was checking the box. So are you married? You know, so normally when people ask, are you married? You know, the next question would be, do you have any children? So I'm like, no, I'm not married. And then I gave him this long dissertation about marriage and relationships and, you know, figuring that that would be enough information that the next question wouldn't roll out of his mouth. And it didn't, so it worked, right? So we ate and uh, we were like, man, we need to find a, a, a nicer bar to watch the game. And we ended up going to a bar in, right in the back of the hotel, um, which was really nice. And um, it, was, it was hype and like everybody, we were actually, it, it was a nice bar, but it was the wrong bar because they were all, cheering for the Patriots. And we were just like, I'm so tired of the Patriots. So whenever the other team scored, we were just like, oh, well, maybe we shouldn't say anything. <laughs> so in all the noise in in all the stuff, this guy blurts out, so do you have any children? And I was like, <sighs> so I quickly said, My son died almost a year ago due to head trauma. He was in a car accident. Um, He was 25 years old. And then I said something about the game, which is what I normally do. I deflect, right? So, um, you know, we talked about whatever that play was for the Super Bowl. And then he says, well, wait a minute, let's let's go back to that. And uh, so he was like, there's a book that you should read. And, um, the book is titled Saul for happy. And, um, I was like, you know, we really don't need to talk about this. He was like, cool, we won't talk about it, but I want you to read that book. He says, you know, that book has helped me through a very difficult time in my life. He says, you know, it's this, this Google exec, you know, he wrote a book called, um, Saul for happy, which he, you know, he, he's a solver or, you know what I mean? Or a fixer, so to speak for Google. So his thing was, surely there's got to be some type of happy equation. There's got to be an equation for happiness. And I'm so glad that he mentioned that book to me because that book has changed my life. It really has. Um, That, and, you know, along with a a lot of other things. I am a seeker of knowledge and to just to know that the author of the book, um, also lost a child. So he's coming from a different place. Um, and, uh, 
So anyway, if you if you get a chance, you should definitely pick it up and check it out. It's called Solve for Happy. I don't have the author's name in front of me, but um, it's on Google. It's, it's called Solve for Happy and it has a big yellow smiley face. And it doesn't just help you through um, grief, but it helps you in every area of your life. And um, I'm so glad that the young man told me about it. But let's get into my topic for today. Like, you didn't mean to say that to me, did you? So, I mean, have you ever spoken with someone and something they said just didn't sit right with you? (laughs) Yeah, join the club. So oftentimes people will come to you with like the best intentions, but they leave you feeling crappy. And the days, you know, following my son's death, I noticed um, a lot of my senses were heightened. You know, my vision was sharp and it seems everyone was touching me like I, like I'm not a big hugger. (laughs) So it's like everybody was touching, whether it was just a pat on the back or holding my hand or, or hugging me, like everybody was trying to find different ways to comfort me. Um, it's not as if I didn't need it. I did need it, you know, but I just felt everything and saw everything and heard everything. Even if you thought you were speaking in a low tone, it was so crazy. I could hear somebody talking from across the room. Everything was heightened. And, um, you know, a lot of times we have these typical death cliches, like, you know, he's in a better place or, you know, God called his angel home or, you know, um, God just needed another flower to complete his garden and he chose your son. And all those things are really nice, but they're just cliches, you know, and I, I think we have to put these cliches into perspective. Like I think if the person was suffering and you say something like he's in a better place or, you know what I mean? Then that kind of goes because of course, because we're selfish when someone dies, a better place is here with me on earth. But if the person was in a car accident. It was a sudden death, like my son. It was sudden. Like we had no time to prepare for it. I never got a chance to say goodbye. When you come to me and you say something like, oh, he's in a better place. And I'm like, are you freaking getting me? Really? But anyway, I can go on and on and on, but you know, it'll just piss me off. So hey, I digress. I'm just saying, I mean, I know these people meant well, and I know they were trying to comfort me as best they could, but to no avail, it made me feel worse. Wow. You know, most of these cliches are true and they are intended to make the griever feel better. Most often than not, it's inappropriate. You know, I'll never forget one of my brother's friends, um, was helping him prepare for our guests after the service. And he walked up to me and he said, Tanya, I don't know what to say. I, I know nothing that I say will take the pain away. So I am sorry this happened. And he hugged me. And that was perfect. He didn't try to come across as being this 
deep guy or you know what I mean? He was just like, look, I'm sorry this happened. And my aunt, um, who Nora, she lost her daughter in a car accident. Um, she said, niece, I know you're hurting. Um, she says, you know, I know it's been eight years since Ashley died and it still hurts. It still hurts eight years later. Right. So those were good things. <laughs> they were really good things to say. And I got so many heartfelt condolences from people that were suitable and appropriate to my situation. However, telling someone who just lost their only child suddenly in a car accident that he's in a much better place, I think is a little inappropriate. He wasn't sick. He wasn't suffering. You know what I mean? Or a, a woman said to me, you know, he was never yours. He was just loaned to you from God. And while that may or may not be true, depending on where you are, it is just not the appropriate thing to say at that time. Right? So I find myself at the end of the day feeling really crappy and just wanting to cuss people out thinking, did she just say that? So I know I'm sitting here telling you guys, oh, that's so inappropriate. And you shouldn't say that because a lot of the stuff that people say you should not say. So let's look at what would be appropriate to say. It's simple. Things like my heart goes out to you during this time or I'm here to be of comfort if you need me. You know, um, what else? What can I do to help you as you go through this process? Um, or I know you're hurting, please lean on me. Um, I just came to give you a hug or just simple. I'm speechless. And the, the one that I like to say to people is I know you are hurting and this sucks. Death sucks, but I am here to support you in any way that I can. And one I learned in church, um, which is to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I mean, it's just so many other appropriate things that you can say to people. I think the, the issue is we try so hard to take the pain away because that's, that's what we want to do. We, we, we empathize with the person as we should. And we want to take the pain away and we want to make sense of the tragedy, right? But you can't because I think it just is, right? Like there are rules in life and this is one of them. As sure as you were born, you're going to leave here and we are never prepared for when we leave or when our loved one leaves. And I will probably never, never fully be prepared for that ever. Um, and I will probably grieve and cry and 
all the things that go with grief. I will probably do that until it is my time. But I decided that if if I am going to get through this, that I have to correct people. So for a long time, I just kind of withdrew from the world because I felt like if I let this person in, this person's going to say something that's going to piss me off. Um, a very good friend of mine would call or text me on a random day, very good friend. And he would say, Hey, how's your day? And I'm like, Oh, today was a crappy day or today was not a good day. And his reply would always be what happened? Drives me crazy every time. What happened? So I used to just ignore it. And then now I say, my son died, remember? So now when people say, oh, he's in a much better place, and I'll ask the question, well, how so? Or um, when they say, you know, you know, God just needed another flower to complete his garden, you know, I'm like, God can get flowers from anywhere. Like, like I find myself wanting to challenge these stupid grief cliches. So I stop making people comfortable saying it, right? But the crazy thing is, if you're grieving and you're listening to this, I just want to add that these people have no clue that they're hurting you. So even in your pain, you've got to give them just a little bit of grace, just a little grace, because they have no clue that they're hurting you. You have to accept that their intentions are good, but if they continue to come around and they continue to say things that leave you feeling crappy, like some people did with me, you have to bring them. I, I put them right in the position I'm in. Like I remember saying to a friend of mine, say, oh, Tanya, I just, I just don't know how you're doing it. You're so strong. And I remember saying, um, you have a kid. Imagine having the time of your life as a mom, right? And you go about your business and you get a, a call or somebody comes to your house and says, you are never going to see your child on this side of the earth again. You will never see your child alive again. How would that make you feel? I always put the people in my shoes. And from that point on, it was from that particular person. She never said that again. I just can't imagine how you're going on. Oh my God, you're so strong. I don't know what I would have done. Well, let me help you. Let me put you in my shoes. Okay. <laughs> so I just, I, look, and if you're on the other side of that, because I'm sure at some point I was the one that said, you know, oh my God, God needed another flower. I'm sure I used to say that foolishness, but I'm saying to you, if you were the one that used to say that, I want you to burn the book of death cliches. Most of them are horrible and they are inappropriate. Okay. 
They are horrible and they are inappropriate. Let me tell you, you could just show up and sit down quietly. You could show up and watch a movie with a person. You could show up if they're in the bed. You can show up like one of my girlfriends did. Gosh, I'll never forget this. She says, hey, I know you don't want to be bothered. She says, as she took her shoes off, she was like, but I am just, I just want to lay next to you. And if you don't want to talk, we don't have to talk. And she did that. And another girlfriend drove from Atlanta um, and she said the same thing. She was like, hey, just hold on to the good memories. You have so many great memories of your son, you know, like those just simple things. Don't try to make sense of it because we can't. We have no control over death. One thing we know for sure about death, it is going to happen to all of us. And if you live long enough, you at some point, if you've never experienced death close to you, somebody that you know will die. You will die at some point. And if you have children, you don't want your your people showing up, telling your kids stuff like your mom or your dad's in a better place. Okay. So if you're the person that showed up with your book of death cliches, listen to me, stop it right now because you leave the griever feeling worse than they did when you showed up. Stop it. Sometimes we're just happy to see you. No words are necessary. We just want to see you. Thanks for coming. Thanks for loving me enough to show up. That's it. You never have to say a word. If the person has a dog, I have a dog. You come, hey, I just came to walk your dog. (laughs) You know, I just came to take your dog to the dog park. If the person has other children, go get the kids, take them a snack, take them outside in the front yard and play with them. There's so many things you can do and never say a word other than hello. If you're afraid, because some people are afraid, they feel uncomfortable around people dealing with grief. Guess what you can do? Send them some food, order a pizza. Um, order a salad. There's Grubhub. There's Uber Eats. There's so much stuff you could do, man. You don't, if you don't want to send a card, you could do that. If you don't want to send flowers, you could do that. Just send them some food. You can get them, uh, I don't know. You can get a, a massage. You know, that's good. I was surprised at how messed up my body was. Cause I literally just laid around for months and months and months. And actually I still do kind of, you know, and my body was like, look, we're not used to this sedentary lifestyle. Everything was hurting my neck, my back, my arm, my legs. And I finally um, went to a chiropractor, a new guy, because my guy was busy. And um, he was just like, your body is a mess. Oh my God. What did you do? How did you do this? He's never met me a day in his life. And he was on such a high as a chiropractor. I just didn't have it in me to say my son died. So I was just laying around. 
probably depressed. I don't think I've ever really said that word. I think I said it to one other person. I said, I think I'm depressed and I never heard. I don't think I heard from her in like a week. And I was like, well, it's a good thing. I wasn't depressed, like thinking I could fly because that would be the end of that. So when you're what people consider strong, because I felt like if another person said, you're strong, you're strong, you're strong. I felt like if another person said that I was going to just jump off of a building, like I was so sick of hearing how strong I was. And I later realized that people say you're strong because they don't want to have to be strong for you. So I just want to remind you that you're strong, you're strong, or maybe it's a some type of Jedi mind trick, like you're strong, you're not weak, you're strong. <laughs> so you can wake up like, yeah, I'm strong. But the, the truth of the matter is I'm not strong. I'm very weak, very weak, in pain, still hurting, just a total mess. And the the more I think about it, And I said this to a young lady the other day. I said, you know, I started flipping my negative things and I'll say stuff like if karma is real, then I must have been a bad friend because on one hand, I have like three or three or four really good friends that have been like a just a pillar in this whole life changing journey. And then on this end, I have like 40 (laughs) and nobody really has like 40 close friends, but I have like a whole slew of people who call me friend, but are horrible friends, are horrible friends. So if karma is real, I must've been a horrible friend and I'm getting this back, um, from my friends in my time of need. Um, I really don't believe that to be true. I think I am a really good friend. I just think that it took this life-changing event, the death of my son, it took that for me to realize that most of my friends depend on me. Most of my friends lean on me. Most of my friends are selfish. So for most of my friends, it's, oh my God, now who do I call? Because she's weak. They don't look at it. Like a girl said to me the other day, she was like, oh my gosh, I knew you were going to call me because you were on my mind all day. And I'm thinking, hmm, now when somebody's on my mind all day, I call that person like, hey girl, how's it going? You were on my mind all day. Is everything okay? I don't have friends like that. I have friends that say, I knew you were going to call me because you were on my mind all day. What? So because I was on your mind all day, I'm thinking it didn't move you to want to call me or text me to check on me. So this has really been a learning experience for me. And um, I think I've been coasting through it, still numbing my way through it. Um, I think I've been more sad and lonely and um yeah then i i am trying to work out the kinks of this whole process you know um i do feel like 
my son's spirit lives on. Like his body is no longer with us, but his spirit lives on forever, forever. Like he chose me as his mom, you know, and, you know, his spirit lives on. And I truly believe that. I truly believe that the spirit lives on. Um, but it has really made me stop and look at relationships and friendships and family and connections. Like it really makes me look at it differently. I don't know what I would have done without my sister and brother. Oh my gosh. I don't know. Oh, I think if I were to let them, they would come here and wake me up and bathe me and get me dressed. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know what I would have done without them. Um, and I have, like I said, two or three friends. Like, I don't know what I would have done without those two or three young ladies um, and, and gentlemen. And then the rest of them were just people that I could do without. If I never see them again or never talk to them again, I'm okay. But I'm trying to give them a little bit of grace. Like they don't know any better. And they're in that group of, did you just say that to me? They're in that group of, if you invite me to another party, I, I didn't party before my son died. Why would I want to party after? Like, I don't know. I'm just rambling now. So I'm going to go ahead and end this podcast. Okay. Um, I went a lot longer than I intended, but I just want to say, um, just watch what you say to people when they're grieving, because we hear everything. We, we feel everything and we know who did not show up. And the crazy thing is the only reason we know it is because we probably have you on a level that you didn't know. We probably had you in that category of my closest friend or the person that I, that I pull energy from. And then when the person doesn't show up, when the person doesn't show up as that source of support mentally or physically, then you're just like, oh my gosh, okay, let's move on. Um, people don't like, this is the last thing I'm going to say, and I'm going to end it. People never think it's a good idea if you're grieving to isolate yourself, but isolation has been the one thing that kept me sane. I think if I stayed around people, I would lose my mind. And it's just because I cannot take the death cliches. I cannot take the questions of, are we just going to sit here all day? Are we just going to watch TV all day? Are we just going to listen to podcasts all day? Yes, that's what I want to do. This is the one time in my life I get to be selfish and I'm being completely selfish. So I've done stuff like fitness and therapy and those, those are, I mean, those are some of the other things that have been keeping me sane. But in addition to the help that I stated earlier, isolation has helped me a lot because I study and I um, listen to different podcasts and even some YouTube videos that have really helped me in joining the uh, Compassionate Friends group for people who have lost a child has been a big help because I get to connect with other people that are in my shoes and they don't say things like, 
<laughs> the death cliches I mentioned earlier. They just don't. And if we're talking and I cry, they don't rub my back. They don't, they just give me tissue and, and let me work it out, which is what my therapist does. <laughs> so, so I, I guess when you say some people are uncomfortable around you, I think that's a part of it. People feel like I don't know what to say or do because nothing I say or do is the right thing. When actually, if you just be, just sit, just, just sit, even if you just sit in silence or you watch a show that you hate, that you watch it because you're here, you're here for the griever. You're not, you're not there for yourself. And I think that's, that's a part of it. So anyway, that's going to do it for me. I'm rambling now. Again, thank you so much for joining me with that conversation with Tanya. Um, um, uh, feel free to reach out to me at a conversation with Tanya at gmail.com uh, or call me at 704-756-2752. That's going to do it for me. Um, and we'll talk again soon. I'm Tanya Stokes. Bye. Oh, you know what? I meant to tell you what pissed me off today. I ordered some flowers for my son's grave. Uh, it was his anniversary. I ordered them on Tuesday. She assured me it would be there on Wednesday. His anniversary was Thursday and the flowers were not delivered. So I called and my sister called and she said, oh, they just came on Thursday which I was fine with what they had in stock. And she was like, oh, but we ordered some beautiful white roses. Um, I'm expecting them tomorrow. So I was like, well, if you ordered white roses, then yeah, I'll go ahead and take that. You know, it's, it's a one year anniversary. Um, but I was fine with what they had in stock. And I said that. So she was like, yeah, the white will be really pretty. Uh, Thursday. His friends sent me some pictures. The roses weren't there. Um, so then Friday, my brother sent me some pictures. And I was like, when were this? When did you take these pictures? And he said, oh, we took them today. I still didn't see the roses. So I called her back. And the woman said, well, let me back up. On Thursday, the woman said, um... They just got in and she says, if I have time, I will drop them off on my way, like sometime today or whatever, or first thing in the morning. That pissed me off. <laughs> and that's a whole nother podcast, y'all. So my brother sent some pictures today because I was just in this emotional state. I was like, I cannot do this today. Um, and I, I'll listen where I am right now is where I was when I got the news. I'm being completely transparent where I am right. This moment is where I was when I got the news that my son had passed. I'm completely numb. I was numb then. And today I could slap somebody. So anyway, I called the woman and I was like, hey, you said the flowers came in yesterday. Today is Friday. 
I said, I thought when you pulled his information up in your computer, you saw that his anniversary date was Thursday and that you would assure his flowers made it to his marker by Thursday. And she was like, yeah, well, remember I told you I just got him yesterday, which was Thursday, right? So I said, but today is Friday and it's already one o'clock. And she said, oh, I was busy. I'm just going to pause because I promise you, I wanted to slap her. It's that empathy. You know what I mean? I would have never said that to a grieving person. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's mom, dad, aunt, uncle. I would have never said that. She was like, oh, I was busy. But I just, I just put it on his marker. Is this your cell phone? Because I could send you a picture. And yeah. So that's why I was just so... I was so upset. I said, you know what? I'm going to do a podcast about the things that people say, even though I I wrote about it in my blog. And that's, that's yet another thing that people say. But for her, it's different because she works at a cemetery. So for her, it's just another death. For her, it isn't a mom who's lost her only child and she wants to make sure that his marker and everything is perfect for the anniversary. I mean, I'm just on a different, I'm in a different place because I know that my son's spirit lives on and my son's spirit is within me and it's around me and you know what I mean? So I, but I just wanted his marker to look fresh. So now I know that I have to do that myself. I thought I would just walk up and see the fresh flowers and but I know that now I just have to take the fresh flowers. Um I thought uh, I could go on and on, but I don't want to make this a a long addition to the podcast. So that's what prompted me to do this. When I said earlier I decided to make a podcast because somebody pissed me off yet again. And I just don't want you to be that person that's so insensitive to what's going on in the world. Like you're so caught up in the moment that you're insensitive. And then let's flip that because she could have, she could be going through a lot in her life. And now I'm being insensitive to what's going on with her by saying, oh my God, you're so insensitive. Like who knows? She could have just lost someone. I don't know, but I just wanted to add that. All right. I know it's your weekend. Make it a great day. I'm Tanya Stokes with a conversation with Tanya. Bye.